This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 589. Great to have your company once again. Thank you for joining me. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, questions have been raised about Hubble's free-to-air TV over the internet feature. Samsung will expand Galaxy AI to even more devices. And Taylor Swift fans have smashed through their data at her Australian concerts. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new Echo Hub control panel. We'll also check out the Ozbot Tiny 2 webcam and the product that lets you show your MacBook some love. And we'll answer all of your questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Last week, we was talking about Hubble, the new entertainment platform, and the many services that had committed to be available on that platform. Later in the week, on our Two Blokes Talking Tech podcast with myself and Trevor Long, we really went into the full details about the service, and uh, you can listen to that. That was last week's episode. But today, I want to talk about one of the features that we did speak about on the Two Blokes podcast, and that was the free-to-air without an antenna feature. So basically, free-to-air TV broadcast or streamed over the internet. Now, they call this Broadcast Video On Demand, BVOD it's called. And this was one of the features that Hubble, uh, that was one of their tent pole features, I called it. And when they mentioned that free-to-air TV without an antenna, a lot of people were keen to hear more about that. So this was one of their really main main selling features, I think, one of them anyway. Now, we've dug a little bit deeper and uh, about this. And just to explain what it is, the this feature basically strips out the broadcast video on, on demand channel from the catch-up apps. So if you don't have an antenna... You can still watch if you go to Nine Now, Ten Play. All the free-to-air apps have a live TV feature, but this involves you having to open the app. You got to have an account. Open the app, uh, go scroll down, go to live TV, press enter, and you're watching live TV. That's a lot of steps to watch live TV without an antenna. Now, what Hubble are able to do is to isolate that stream and put it inside the TV guide. So basically when you click on 9, 7, 10, SBS, ABC, you are getting that stream straight away rather than having to dive inside an app. So hence why the reason they called it free-to-air without an antenna, which is technically correct. But there are some little things, some issues and compromises that come with having that free-to-air over the internet service. And one of the problems is a regional problem. What Hubble said was that the customer would be able to enter their postcode and thereby have the correct region of free-to-air channel. Say, say it's channel nine. 
if you have a postcode in New South Wales, you'll get the, that state's feed or perhaps just the Sydney feed. No, no real clarity on whether Newcastle or Wollongong or, or others will have their own streamed channel like they do on free-to-air. No information on that as yet. But what's to stop someone entering a postcode for them to watch programming that's more in line with perhaps a, 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 a team they support? Say, for example, you're a Brisbane fan and you want to – or you're a Brisbane fan based in Sydney. So Brisbane, one of your teams is based in Brisbane and you're living in Sydney. There's nothing to stop you from entering a, a Brisbane postcode so you can see that Brisbane content. Perhaps it could be a live game, the Broncos live rather than South Sydney Rabbitohs live. Uh so that, that, that's an example, probably not an accurate example, but it, it's something that's possible with if you just simply change your postcode. Now, it would be probably – it'd make more sense if the your location was determined by the broadband from the exchange where your broadband connection comes from. So say, for example, for me, I'm based in Sydney. My exchange is somewhere in Sydney, and that would be – that would determine – the location that would be set for my Hubble glass or my Hubble box. But there, there are other issues. Uh, for example, my information is that Channel 7 and SBS, if you were to go to their apps and view their free-to-air feed, they are national feeds. So no matter, even if you are living in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, you get the same national feed from those two stations, SBS and Seven. So you, you're not getting a localized, localized channel as you would for free to air through the antenna, terrestrial TV. Now the other issue with the the BVOD, the the BVOD streams on Hubble, are also to do with sport, and they are about sport blackouts. One example is Channel 7's BVOD. So if you're watching Channel 7's live TV through the app, which Hubble would take out and put in their TV guide, you won't be able to watch cricket or AFL because they don't hold the digital rights to those sports. So that's technically digital channel, not a terrestrial channel. So no AFL, no cricket. Hubble says that they'll be able to watch AFL on 7's BVOD channel next year. But cricket, you won't be able to see it on that stream. So customers in this instance, if you're buying this thinking, oh, great, I'll be able to watch all the free-to-air sport, uh, then you would be disappointed. You'd have to get KO Sports, which is a product that own Hubble's own product. So they'd upsell you that. Now, this was all happening, by the way. This announcement came the same week that there was a Senate inquiry happening in Canberra about the upcoming prominence legislation. Now, this is a, an inquiry looking to ensure that TV manufacturers are offering the same exposure for 9 Now, 7 Plus, 10 Play, ABC iView, SBS On Demand as they do for Netflix, Disney Plus, Prime Video and all these other premium streaming services. So it's all about the local channels and their apps getting a fair go alongside the other streaming services. Now, the reason there's an inquiry for this is because 
TV manufacturers, they want to make money. And there was one instance where the the CEO, the, the SBS managing director, James Taylor, he during his testimony at the inquiry, he was told that one major TV manufacturer was trying to leverage a 15% revenue share of any money they make through the platform, right? So any advertising and everything, uh, and, a, and a placement fee so that the TV manufacturer gets 15% and SBS gets favourable placement uh, if they agree to the deal. And SBS decided, no, we're not going to pay that. And subsequently, their app became even harder to find on that brand's televisions. He even went further to say, Mr. Taylor said, another platform operator was after 30% from the platform, from that TV's platform, at the risk of being excluded completely. Now, this is the reason for this inquiry is to give the Australian customers free and prominent access to the free-to-air channels, as well as the giving them the ability to continue to watch major sporting events for free on free-to-air television. So this is all all timely, all this information. Now, Hubble's feature here uh, had had another, another enticement was their stack and save option. Now, the, uh, the, the, the fine print, which we kind of haven't seen yet, this service, the Hubble service hasn't started yet, and there's no, no date being set for them actually pulling the trigger and this starting. But the stack and save option is, was sold as customers who bundle up to five services can save up to $15 per month. So you stack three, save five bucks, stack four, you save 10 bucks, stack five, you save 15 bucks. So if you are a, a subscriber to multiple services, it pays to, to build, put them all together to aggregate your bill and for you to get this discount or this, this little, the credit, they call it. But what, what we're learning is that not every app is going to be involved in that aggregated billing. So my sources... told me that streaming streaming services like Apple TV Plus, Prime Video, Paramount Plus, and Optus Sport, just to name a few, do not, so not, they do not have carrier billing agreements with Hubble. So if you were to include one of those services, it, it won't work in the stack and save. So you'll have to choose another service to get you up to the five. Um, naturally, Hubble uh, offering Binge, KO, Sport and Lifestyle and Flash, perhaps, they're their own channels. They'll participate in the stack and save option. So Hubble's reply to this was, well, any credit built up in your, when you bundle your services, so say you subscribe to KO, Sports, Binge, Netflix and, and others, so even if you get a $5 credit or bundle other services that add up to more, you can put that money towards those services that aren't included in the bundling. So they sort of gave that a little bit of a silver lining that some services are not available, but the money you save on the bundling services with the services that are included can be put towards the ones that aren't. So they put a bit of a spin on that. 
so yeah, they're just some details that, that we've learned in the in the time since this announcement was made, and we thought we'd uh, we'd have to share them with you because I think a lot of people would be that free to air without an aerial feature. A lot of people were keen on that, uh, and this was something that Foxtel customers who were receiving their services via cable up until recently. That was the reason they – so their whole world was Foxtel. So they didn't need to get out of the Foxtel system, the ecosystem. They were getting TV, proper free-to-air TV through the cable, as well as all their Foxtel channels. So uh, that would have been, this reminded them that this new Hubble feature thought, okay, well, that sort of is similar to what we had before. Well, technically it isn't. So those features, that, those little issues that I told you about, be aware that this is the, that could possibly, that that is going to be the case. There are going to be some caveats here. You're not going to get everything that you perhaps get with terrestrial TV or what you had before uh, rebroadcast channels through the cable service. And we don't know the, the launch date either. So we're, we're anticipating it's probably going to happen. Uh, I'd say in early to mid March is is probably the launch date. Early to mid March, I'd say. Around the time the footy season kicks off, just before the Formula One, around that time, before AFL season. So they're, they're trying to get this into people's hands and give them a reason to subscribe because of timely being start of the footy seasons. If you want to read more about Hubble and that free-to-air over internet service, we've covered it like a tarpaulin on techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Samsung have had some uh, pretty big, a lot of success actually with the S24 smartphones. Reason for that success is this amazing new Galaxy AI. I've spoken about it on the podcast, written about it on Tech Guide. I've even done a video about it. It's remarkable. Galaxy AI on S24 series is amazing and I think has made it the phone, the best phone you can buy right now. Well, Samsung are going to up the ante here and they are going to roll out a software update to expand Galaxy AI to even more devices. So hold on to your hats here. If you own the Galaxy S, any Galaxy S23 series phones, the S23 FE, the Galaxy Z Fold 5, the Galaxy Z Flip 5, and the Tab S9 series of tablets, we have some great news for you because this update will enable Galaxy AI on all of those devices. So basically, last year's Samsung models will have this update. It's coming sometime in March. So stay tuned for that. You will get Galaxy AI. Now, what's going to happen, it's going to be a hybrid approach to AI. On the S24s, Everything, most of it happens on device. With the S23 series and all those models I mentioned, Samsung is going to adopt a hybrid approach, which means that there's going to be a lot of on-device AI, so enough computing to get that happening there, but also cloud-based AI. So stuff may have to go off your device for it to be calculated and the AI applied. So that is going to be the the little compromise there but you're still going to get same same level of AI might be a touch slower but you're still going to get live translate chat assist live translate means you can make calls in two-way real-time voice and text translation 
chat assist so you get help with your messages to ensure that it's appropriate communication. Note assist, circle to search, which is huge. So you can take a photo of something, circle it. Might be a handbag or something you've seen or a pair of shoes or something, uh, an item that you want to find out more about. Take a photo, hold the home button, circle it. It'll tell you what it is, where you can buy it, how much it costs. Amazing. There's also edit suggestions. So when you take your photos, it'll say, oh, do you want to get rid of this shadow? Do you want to get rid of this reflection? Do you want to move something? There's generative AI as well. So you can actually remove objects, move ob- remove objects from the background, move stuff in the foreground. It's quite remarkable. Instant slow-mo too. You can create a section in slow-mo of your video. Uh, really powerful stuff, and this is going to be enabled on a Galaxy Samsung's Galaxy products from last year. So, for those guys who are thinking, you know what, I should upgrade to get AI. Hold your horses. Your current device, the twenty three, the twenty twenty three models, will have this upgrade. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so yeah, it is. It is going to roll out. Uh, my info, it's going to be rolling out sometime. Sorry, it's going to be in, it's going to be rolling out from April. Uh, I, I thought it was late March. It's going to be from April. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be well worth the upgrade. If you want to find out more about the Galaxy AI coming to other devices, potentially your device, you can read all about it at techguide.com.au. Now, unless you've been living under a rock or been on the moon or in a cave, you might have known that a a singer called Taylor Swift has been in Australia and sellout shows, three in Melbourne, four in Sydney, and fans have absolutely uh, gone berserk. They they really love uh, Taylor Swift and... Not only are they showing their love with their their purchase of their merch, their tickets, and the whole the whole adoration of Taylor Swift, they also have been using lots of data to share their experiences at the Melbourne and Sydney shows. Now Telstra put out some information about the data used during the Melbourne shows. I'll talk in a minute about Optus have compared Sydney and Melbourne. Telstra, though, were first off the mark with their data. So their information is the three shows in Melbourne, fans used more than 35 terabytes of data. That's the equivalent of 15,500 hours of video content, which was sent across just the Telstra network, would you believe? That's just over 5,000 hours per concert. Now, if you were to sit down and watch all the fan-generated videos back-to-back on a loop, okay, say that you're going to watch everything generated in those three concerts, it would take you 1.7 years to watch all the videos that were recorded and shared in, th- in over three nights. That's amazing. It was funny too because Telstra, they knew when the data was sent and they sort of pinpointed that when when the lights went down and Taylor Swift first took the stage, that was obviously peak data sharing. So everyone thought, well, here she is, opening song, and that was the peak, but there was still a steady stream throughout the night. But 
The other peak came at the end of the 89 era and she started singing some surprise songs. So data decreased after that and everyone said what what people wanted to do was actually enjoy the show rather than watching it through their phone screen. They wanted to watch the show and that's exactly what they did. The, The other data spike occurred after the concert because there were a lot of people ordering Ubers to get home. So uh, remarkable how how much data was used. Now, Optus has come through with their data, and I like what I like about the Optus data is the, the information is that they compared it was a Sydney v. Melbourne comparison. So what they did, they compared the opening night in Melbourne and opening night in Sydney the amount of data shared, and have a guess who won. The winner is Sydney. Does that sound familiar? Sydney uh, fans were using way more data than Melbourne Swifties. So according to Optus, the Melbourne Swifties used one – this is on the first opening night, right? So the Friday at the MCG, one point nearly 1.8 terabytes there were uh, and there were there were at at the Melbourne show there were 31,440 Optus customers out of 80 out of 96,000 that's pretty good and in, in Sydney there were 27,936 Optus customers out of 80 81,000 uh, so in Melbourne so more people in Melbourne, use less data. So 31,000 used 1.7 terabytes. 27,000 in Sydney, or nearly 28,000, used three terabytes in one night. And the equivalent videos, that's 300,000 short videos compared to 178,000 videos in Melbourne. And the equivalent to 751,000 photos uh, or 446,000 photos in Melbourne. So Sydney, they won. Bigger Swifty fans, much hungrier Swifties who uh, shared a lot more data, nearly double, and less people too. So they're a bit more avid, they were. So, yeah, that was uh, an interesting comparison. Uh, Taylor Swift fans uh, were eager to share, and I'm sure you saw in your social media feeds, there were a lot of people. I know there was in mine. Though, every second, every second uh, post was from the Taylor Swift concerts, which were massive. Uh, and she only performed in Sydney and Melbourne. She what? She didn't go to Brisbane. There were a lot of people coming down from Brisbane. Didn't perform in Perth or Adelaide either. It was just uh, so in total seven shows, and it was each one was a sellout. It was amazing. So uh, this is sort of the equivalent to. It's the modern-day Beatlemania. Like, it's incredible. I've not seen anything like it in, in my lifetime anyway. This is remarkable. So, yeah, if you want to read more about that, if you're a real Swifty, we've got you covered on Tech Guide. So check out those stats at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6E is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad band whole home mesh system opening an exclusive 
all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Kicking off the reviews this week is a brand new product from Amazon, the Echo Hub. Now, this is a small panel. It's like eight-inch screen, about one and a half centimeters thick. And this is a – it's a control hub. Now, it, it looks uh, – well, from front on, it looks like the Echo Show. In fact, it looks exactly like an Echo Show. The I've got in my office here the Echo Show 15, which is mounted up on my wall, so I can look at it, see the time, see my to-do list, see my calendar, see everything. And Echo Hub is basically a dashboard for all the smart devices in my home. Now, I'll be honest, I was uh, struggling a little bit to understand the difference between the hub and my existing Echo Show. I'm thinking, why would I need this? I've got the show. Now, the show is meant for you to play your content. You can look at things like camera feeds uh, and, and your calendar and stuff like that, but it doesn't aggregate all your devices like the hub can. So basically, the difference between the two, so if the Echo Show is where you play your content, the, the Echo Hub is your remote control. It is your, your universal remote control that allows you to dive in and take full control. So it gathers, it gathers not only all the information about your, your smart devices, but it allows you to group them together to create uh, these, these routines. So it allows you to take a bit more control. That's the best I can describe it. If you if the if your show is your your player, then the hub is your controller. And this is the, what what is is really uh, impressive about about this system is that years ago, having a smart home automation control system like companies like Control Four, Crestron, Legrand, Cbus, Savant. Lutron, all of these names you've probably heard. Now, these systems were quite complex, quite expensive. They required cabling. So it was something you normally, you would find someone owning a mansion or some like wealthy people. It was a sort of product, sort of thing they had in their homes. Now, Amazon has basically taken a leaf out of those systems and Thanks to the compatibility with with uh, with standards like Matter, Thread, and Zigbee, as well as Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connectivity, they've created a more consumer-friendly version of that control system. So the Echo Hub can sit on your wall. You can mount it on the wall. So if you if you have it in a common area, everyone can see and control and monitor 
various smart devices in your home. You can also, and that's how we had it, you can buy uh, a special purpose-built Sanos desktop mount. So I've got it here in front of me on my desk. So it's within reach. I can literally reach out and touch the screen. And I can then look at things, turn things on and off, look through my cameras, and it's all there. And I can use my voice to say, you know, show me the the front door, show me the back deck, show me this, show me that, turn this on, turn this off, uh, and all of that. So uh, that is how, how I can best explain the difference. Now, the screen itself has a motion sensor, so any kind of movement, the sensor springs to life. So you instantly you can see... I can see now all my cameras, my favorites, my the most often used connections in my home, like the speakers around the house. The other feature too that this, this makes easier to access is the drop-in feature. So say, for example, and I have this in, in my place, I've got an Echo Show in our kitchen. I've also got an Echo Speaker in our bathroom. And I also have one in my astro shed. I've got a little shed out the back where I do my astrophotography. I've got a little um, little echo in that in that shed, and they're all connected, of course. And so this a speaker allows me to drop in on those speakers. So if I know my wife's in the kitchen and she wants to tell me, "Look, dinner's ready," or you know, "Come out here, want to chat to you," rather than yelling across the house, she can just drop in on my speaker and she can, it's like a little intercom. She can say, Steve, come in the kitchen or, you know, dinner's ready or here, would you like a cup of tea or something? And she's able to communicate through the speakers. A lot of people aren't aware that that feature exists. You might, kids might be up, they might have one in their bedroom and you say, okay, dinner's ready, come down or come on, hurry up. We've got to leave in 10 minutes, get dressed. So there's that feature as well. That's one of many. Uh, setup is really easy. You just set it up, connected to your Wi-Fi, sign in with your account. It'll then gather all your connected devices. It'll go back to the app because you, if you've already got Alexa products and other smart products, the Alexa app is where you've signed in originally. And you, so it'll go back and grab all that information and put it and present it to you on the Echo Hub screen. So if you've got Echo speakers, smart plugs, security cameras, video doorbells, locks, light bulbs, other smart products, you'll see them all and be able to access them all and group them all uh, with the touch of the screen or with your voice. So here's the other thing though, right? In my situation, I've got the Echo Show in the same room as the Echo Hub. So one of the features you can set up through the hub is your default audio product. So if I say to the hub or just say Alexa, and it's coming to life, coming to life now, uh, I'll just wait so it doesn't respond. If I say to play a certain radio station, it will default to the Echo Show on my wall because that's what the one I preferred. So I'm not going to get a double up. It's not going to get confused. It's going to only play through the show. I might decide to want to have that through the kitchen or whatever. So that that's one way. So I don't get the audio double up. It doesn't get confused. It it, it show it, it lets me choose which which speaker I want to hear it from. So that that that's a good feature to have. Now you can also choose from a few widgets. You can create shortcuts. Uh, there's a there's a you can set routines. So things like if you it'll if you say oh good morning uh, and it'll tell you the news, traffic, weather, 
Uh, it'll turn on connected devices, play the – so when you say, oh, I'm home, it'll turn on lights and do that sort of thing, even play certain types of music. And I mentioned already the room-to-room intercom with a drop-in feature. And then you can also group together devices that are in the same room. You might have lights or you might group all your lights together so you can turn them all off at the same time, turn them all on at the same time. And because it's got matter, you can have different brand products on the device. Now, if you happen to have a lot of Echo products and a lot of Ring products, these are companies that are owned by Amazon, naturally, they work the best. They sort of take they, – they, they, they're prominent and really easy to connect. So if you've got a Ring doorbell, Ring camera, it just works. Uh, we have a lot of Arlo cameras – and some of them worked. I could view the live feed on one of my cameras and others sometimes, and mostly I couldn't view any. I've got to go in the app and, and, uh, and control that, which brings me to one of the, uh, one of the, uh, the, the weaknesses of the product uh, is the fact that I can't edit the names of products, the groupings of products. I have to go into the app, the Alexa app to do that. So if I want to change, if I want to delete a, a device, change its name, change its location, I can't do that on Echo Hub. I don't have that kind of editing, uh, that, that kind of admin. I need to go into the app and then do it all from there, which, which begs the question, why bother with the hub if you can do everything from the app? That is true, but... It it does it only it means you've got to get to your phone, open the app, find the thing, and it's only that that feature is only available to you on your phone. Having the hub frees it from the app, so it's it's out there, and also is accessible to other people in your household. So maybe your kids, your wife, your partner, whoever can also access that control rather than it being localized to your phone. So that that's that's another point. And just a reminder too, the hub is not a glorified tablet. It's not like an iPad you can pick up uh, and browse and use apps. It's just a control hub. It can play content. It can do things, but it's mainly designed to be a controller rather than a way to enjoy your content. You can still do that, play audio and, and those sorts of things, but it's not something you would browse a website with or play a game on it because it's not that sort of tablet. Uh, it's that universal remote control for your home. So yeah, it, it's 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 only three hundred and twenty nine bucks. Look, I reckon if you have a lot of devices in your home, especially if you've got a lot of Echo speakers, Ring products, it is worth looking at because it does provide that all in one control that really unifies everything, gives you control of your lights, your your smart switches, plugs, all those things, cameras lets you see live feeds and all those sorts of things, lets you turn things on and off, uh, group things to turn on and off. It is it is very, uh, it is probably worth looking at. Uh, and at 329 bucks, remember I mentioned those other home automation systems, we're talking thousands of dollars. This is a fraction of the price and offers most of that automation and connectivity uh, at a much more affordable price. The Echo Hub, is uh, available now, priced at three hundred and twenty-nine bucks. If you want to take a close look at it and read our complete review, you can check it out. Techguide.com.au.
Alrighty, if you're after a webcam, we checked out the OBSBOT Tiny 2 webcam. It's not OSBOT, it's OBSBOT. I made the mistake of calling it that, uh, but I, I think at the top of the show I called it the OSBOT. It's the OBSBOT Tiny 2 webcam. It lives up to its name. It's tiny. It's quite small, can sit on the top of a monitor or on top of your laptop. So it's... Uh, it is, it's it's quite small. It is about 6.2 centimetres tall, 4.4 centimetres wide. The camera is resting on a two-axis gimbal so it can easily move around, pan and tilt and keep you in the frame. Now, there's a small kickstand so you can position it securely on the top of a monitor or on top of a laptop screen. Uh, it has a 1 5th CMOS sensor and a 26 millimeter focal length, 10 centimeter minimum focus distance. Now it has a 72.9 degree horizontal field of view, which is quite wide, 85.5 degree vertical field of view. So it really does cover a wide area and it is compatible with both Windows, Windows 10 or later, and Mac, Mac OS 11 or later, uh, and performs best with computers, and if you have a recent computer from within the last couple of years, Intel Core i5 processors in in the in the Mac world, you're thinking probably M1 and higher. Even even i5, the older Intel products, is enough to power this as well. Uh, there is a companion app which works really well. It, it does give you a lot of control, uh, and if you want to spend the extra money, you can even purchase a remote control so that in your hand you've got pan and tilt and all this sort of stuff, manual, physical control, but it can keep you in the frame. Now, we'll talk about that in a second. Now, it is 4K, so you're getting really sharp video quality. So in this day and age where a lot of our work, a lot of people are working from home, there are Zoom calls, there's all these video meetings, you are going to look your best and also sound your best as well. So uh, what I like about it is the it can adapt to different lighting conditions, so it knows, it can tell. So it's got this dual native ISO, so you look bright, you look clear. Uh, colors look really natural, so there's no overexposure, so you're not looking washed out. Uh, and this is all on the fly, by the way. Nothing you need to do. It just works. Uh, and it does, it does present high dynamic range as well. So... Uh, that reduces things like not only do you look better, it reduces things uh, like motion blur. Uh, it can also handle group meetings. So it can actually fit, say, two or three people in the frame. So say you're in a boardroom or there's a lot of people around your laptop, it can fit you all in. Um, so that's pretty cool. There is also a desk mode. So if you want to have a like a top-down look, you might be presenting something on your desktop. It does actually position it so it can give you give the impression that you've got a top-down camera. It positions, uh, it, it points down to your desk. Uh, it does have a, a really good AI focus as well, uh, autofocus. Uh, and it does also have a beauty mode. So it does make your, in this mode, your skin can look smoother and it actually brightens the area around your eyes. So you might have uh, you know, it does a little bit of a touch-up on the fly. For, to you, and there's pictures of like a, a non, non-beauty non mode, beauty mode on, beauty mode off. You can tell the difference pretty good. As well as HDR as well, on and off. You can tell the difference in the pictures on Tech Guide. So, look, it's got your best interests at heart there. It makes you look good. Uh, and, and 
also has voice control too. So you can say hi, uh, hi, tiny, and it turns on or sleep. Uh, you can tell it to track you, which you can do. So if you're maybe moving around, it is keeping you in the middle of the frame. Uh, so uh, you, you can even have some gestures. So if you bring your hands together, uh, move them together or apart, it can zoom in and zoom out depending on what you want it to do. If you hold up a hand, that'll position it, that'll, that'll tell it this is the target area to focus on as well. Uh, so yeah, a lot of things you can achieve there. And audio-wise, I told you, a lot of noise reduction, so you sound good. So there's background noise. This actually manages to sort of focus in on your voice and to cut out that background noise as well. Now, I told you there is also the Smart Remote 2 uh, as an optional extra, and that really gives you a lot more control. So as, as much control as you'd get with the if the app is open on your desktop. There's a lot of that control, and all you need to do is you can use your voice or use the remote control. It is very handy. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, having a webcam is an essential, I think, for a lot of a lot of people, especially people who work from home. They've got to connect from home. They want to look their best and sound their best. So I think a product like the Obsbot Tiny 2 webcam can help them achieve that. Now, it's priced at $519. And if you want to get the Tiny 2 remote combo, that's $592. For, so for a little extra, you do get not only the 4K webcam, the Obsbot Tiny 2, but also the Tiny Smart Remote 2 as well. The complete package, the Obsbot Tiny 2 4K webcam, don't forget 4K, looks really good. Uh, and if you are doing a lot of video uh, or, or not only on calls, but you might need to record videos and stuff like that uh, or make FaceTime calls, various things like that, or, or Skype or whatever you want to do, the OBSBOT can come to the rescue. You can read our complete review of the OBSBOT Tiny 2 at techguide.com.au. Real quick one, uh, this is a pretty simple product, but it is a way for you to show your MacBook some love. Uh, and I'm talking about the Book Arc Flex. Now, this is a, a laptop stand. So it's designed for MacBooks, although it's compatible with any laptop that is less than 2.5 centimeters thick. So the, the Book Arc is a really, really nice, stylish product. It's basically a, a little stand that you're able to rest your MacBook either long ways, so along the hinge side, or upright, so along the side. And this allows you to do one of two things. You can store the, the laptop easily and securely. So you can have it on your desktop. It actually frees up a lot of space. So if you have your laptop on the side, it does take up less space than a laptop that's flat on the desk. Now, the other use for the Book Arc Flex is a lot of people use their MacBook as their computer and they use it with an external monitor. So what you can do, sit your MacBook in the Book Arc Flex, connect it to your monitor. Now you can operate your MacBook in closed mode, so clamshell mode they call it, which means you can still see your desktop even though the laptop is shut. So it still is your computer a lot of people, they find that they have to have it open for the monitor to display the desktop. But if you put it in closed mode or clamshell mode, they call it, you can operate, uh, you can connect your MacBook when it's closed and see your desktop on an external monitor. So you can even place 
the MacBook or other laptop behind your monitor so it's not taking up any room. So that gives your keyboard and mouse a bit more room to move. So I think that in itself is a really good use uh, for the product. And it does keep it uh, upright. It takes, it's got a very small footprint on your desktop, so it's not taking up too much room at all. Uh, and as I said, can handle most laptops up to 16 inches, but as long as they're less than 2.5 centimetres thick, that's an inch in the older, older Imperial measurement. Uh, it's available in black or white for $79.95. There's also a Chrome version, which looks really cool. That is $99.95. And this is from 12 South. They make a lot of great Mac uh, and iPhone accessories. Uh, very stylish. You can see... Uh, the book Arc Flex and the colors it's available in at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. It's a new year and our digital generation continues to see a rise in cybercrime and data breaches. Don't leave your devices without protection or your personal information open to exposure. It's time to have a plan to keep your devices and personal information protected. Save your time and money should the unthinkable happen and your devices are at risk to cyber threats like malware, ransomware, or viruses, or your personal information being exposed to cyber criminals looking to trade your details on the dark web. Introducing Norton 360 Platinum with device security, a VPN for online privacy, parental controls and identity protection with dedicated restoration support and dark web monitoring. You have a comprehensive plan in place to help ensure your information stays in private. It's peace of mind for your devices and your identity. With Norton 360 Platinum, if you become a victim of identity theft, you'll have access to their dedicated identity restoration specialists to help you address your identity theft claim and help you resolve it. Norton 360 Platinum is available now at Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, or online at au.norton.com. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is supported by our great friends at Belkin. Belkin, great company, belkin.com forward slash au. They sell all kinds of power products. They sell a lot of cables, screen protectors, USB docks, other very handy accessories, uh, and they are the place to go. Check them out, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, I have received several emails from older listeners and readers who uh, after a simple phone, uh, and, and there's a lot of people who maybe their first smartphone or first phone, they just want something really easy to use. And I'm seeing a trend back towards flip phones. And by flip phones, there are two flip phones today, available today. A, the new modern flip phone is basically a foldable phone. So it's a big screen that you can fold in half, like the Z Flip 5 the Oppo Find N2, plenty of them on the market and there will be more. But the other flip phone harks back to the old days, the pre-iPhone flip phone. So like your razors and other devices where you've got a screen on top and the, and the, the keypad on the bottom. That is becoming, would you believe, more popular. 
So I would suggest there's plenty of those. Nokia makes one. Aspera makes one. I've written about them on Tech Guide plenty of times. But interestingly, I was reading, there's some stats, and I have written about this on Tech Guide. There are a lot of stats that show younger people are actually gravitating towards these types of devices because they do admit 40% are thinking, I I spend too much time in the digital world. I need to pull back a little bit. And the stats show that these these users are going back to these simple phones that basically allow you to sort of pair back your phone usage to talk and text. So it's not a phone where you can look on Facebook and TikTok and, and Instagram. It's just a basic keep in touch device like the old days where it was talk and text and that's it. So there is a move towards that for those users who don't want, like the FOMO is actually dropping, FOMO, fear of missing out. There are stats that show in the US, these stats originate, where that is actually dropping. A lot of people aren't finding that FOMO. They're thinking, you know what, I need a break from this screen. I don't need to look at it as much as I do. They're realizing that quality time doesn't necessarily mean looking at a screen. And that's why there is a rise in the number of younger people who are uh, buying these devices. And now, older users who just want a simple device, I always recommend these sorts of products. A flip phone that gives you those basics. They always say, look, it's just for talk, just for text. And the flip phone can let you do just that. Aspera, Nokia, a lot of companies that are are offering this now. It's it's like the... uh, it's like the everything is old is new again where people who just want the basics, I highly recommend a flip phone. That is the full-time siren of the Tech Guide podcast, episode 589. Thank you for coming through and listening to the end. Everything we've spoken about, you can find out more if you want to read it on techguide.com.au. And please, if you want to get in touch with us, we do love receiving your emails. Info at techguide.com.au is one way you can get through or even easier, click the Ask Stephen icon on the right-hand side and that will also generate an email and put it in my inbox. We want to also give a special shout-out to our great sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, as well as Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, these are the sponsors that have been supporting the Tech Guide podcast for many years, and I implore you to please support the brands, these companies that have been supporting the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back with another show from Las Vegas next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.